Jessica. Can you guys give Jess and the band a hand? They are superstars. Uh, I love them. I love you all. Hey, uh, real quick, in regards to Plan A, you know, one of the things that we have said is important to Plan A is understanding that for our kids, uh, God's primary plan for their discipleship is their parents. Uh, whether that's biological or adopted parents, if you're responsible for a kid, you're God's plan A for discipling them. And one of the things that we want to do at Center Church is we want to help resource that. So what we've done, and I know it's been mentioned a few times, we'll probably mention it every week from here until infinity, and, uh, and we'll just we'll have resources for you on the back table. Uh, we have different conversation starters, different ways to engage your kids, uh, especially the ones that are downstairs right now continuing uh, what they're talking about downstairs. If you want to grab that, I can also uh, say that we have a digital uh, copy. We have some digital resources that are digital only, so you can get those digitally, but you can get some more things than what we've uh, had to offer back there. If you want to sign up and write down your email, I'm happy to do that. Even if you know a kid that's not your primary responsibility, but you would love to have those resources, sign up. We'll send them to you, okay? So that's, that's something that would be uh, just really helpful for you if you're just looking for a way to start that conversation with somebody. Okay, let me ask you this question. You have a sheet in front of you, and I would love for you to do one thing for me with that sheet to start. I want you to just take about 30 seconds and write down something that you wish you could get really good at. Either you're already doing it, you're trying to master it, or you just think, if someday I could do something really well, I would love to do this. Just write that down uh, real quick. All right. I wrote one thing. There's many things that I wish I was really good at that I was excellent at. Um, but one of the things that I really enjoy, that I really, uh, I would say I even effort to be really good at is sarcasm. And my wife knows this, she's irritated by this fact, but I just love good sarcasm. And we know that if we want to do something really well, there's, there's a few ways that we get better at things. The first one is, is we practice it, right? We practice the things that we want to get better at. Uh, you guys are often the beneficiaries of my practice, so you're welcome for that. See what I did there? Okay. Uh, another thing that we do is we learn about it. And so I actually am borrowing Pastor Kelly's for this moment to help you understand how we're learning about sarcasm, the official dictionary of sarcasm. Okay. And I just want to read you a few definitions out of the official dictionary of sarcasm so that you can also maybe potentially be better at sarcasm, okay? First one, first definition, AARP, the American Association of Retired Persons, an organization that sends out welcome letters to people over 50 to remind them that they will soon be dead. <laughs> right? Or how about achievement? A great accomplishment often accompanied by a sense of triumph or, as it's known to 98% of the population, Getting out of bed in the morning. How many people you guys all achieved today, right? Praise God for that. Okay, how about another one for you right here? The term ad hoc. Maybe you're familiar with it, maybe you're not, but here's what it means in sarcasm. 
a Latin phrase meaning, hey, look at me, I know a Latin phrase. <laughs> right? <clears throat> or advertisement, a medium through which people who truly care about your welfare and not at all about money provide you with helpful, extremely subtle reminders that your bad breath, body odor, cell phone provider, and make of car all have to go. <laughs> right? We've all experienced that. And then finally, this one was my favorite for today. Hopefully I'll bust out more of these some other time. Advice. The only thing in the world more unwelcome than a baby in a movie theater. <laughs> right? So you can see, you know, why, why that's so great, right? So, so, we, so we practice it and we learn about it. But the best way that I've found to get really good at something is to just find someone who's really good at it, sort of like a guru, and just follow them and learn from them, which of course is why I hang out with Pastor Kelly, because he's my sarcasm guru. And, uh, but if you want to get really, really good at something, you just find somebody that you can hang out with and be around and you learn from them, right? That's of course how we get better at things. I want to I ask a quick question about the thing that you wrote down. Yours is probably a little bit better than sarcasm, although I would, I would say like sarcasm is pretty high on my list. Uh, did any of you write down prayer? Did any of you write down prayer? All right, Lindsay kind of did. She's more holy than the rest of us. Thank you, Lindsay. That's why she's leading the worship night and not myself or Pastor Kelly. Um, today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about prayer. John 17 is, is all about prayer. It's a, specifically, it's a prayer that, that Jesus is praying. And so I thought, uh, what better way to learn about prayer than to go to the guru of prayer, who is Jesus? In this chapter, Jesus prays, he prays for three different subjects, he prays for multiple requests, and he prays for multiple reasons. The prayer in John 17 is regarded by a lot of theologians as maybe the greatest prayer ever recorded. Now, I know that some of you, like, you know, there's other prayers that you know, but as you see in this one, it's going to be... It's going to be pretty powerful to you if you've never experienced it or read through it before. Maybe you just uh, haven't read about it in a while. It's pretty amazing. The beauty of the prayer comes from its authenticity and from its direct nature. It's not full of fancy wording or uh, elaborate phrasing. I, I went to Whitworth for my undergrad, which is a Presbyterian school. I took lots of theology uh, electives. That wasn't my primary study, so it was always an elective for me. And I had these amazingly smart professors, but the one thing that always got me was their prayers were sometimes like beyond my capacity to understand. I'm just like, is this helpful? Because I mean, maybe you and God are the only people who know what's being said right now. You know, that was the kind of thing. So it's not that at all, but it centers rather on the business of God being glorified then and now. And, it, and it's about people finding salvation through Jesus then and now, specifically through the life of his followers. And because of that, I want to take today, I want to ask three questions about the three sections that we're going to cover around this prayer. In case you were wondering how many times Jesus is recorded praying in the Bible, it's about 25 times. 25 times. Now, certainly Jesus prayed more than that, right? Like I would imagine he prayed, well, it says pray continuously, right? 
And if that's our instruction, Jesus, I'm certain, did that as well. But actually recorded prayers, about 25, depending on if you count, duplicate accounts of that prayer. I'm also guessing that the writers who were recording these prayers had very specific, important reasons as to why they were putting these prayers. In our case, John, why he's putting this prayer in his gospel. And because of this, I want to take some time and look at these three questions about this prayer. One, who is Jesus praying for? Who is Jesus praying for? Two, what is Jesus praying for? And three, why is Jesus praying about these specific who's and what's? Okay, so we'll kind of break down our, our dissection of today's passage around that, uh, around those three questions, and then we're going to pray together. So just be forewarned, you will get to pray today, okay? All right, so let's dive into John 17, starting with verse 1. We're going to start with the first five verses. It says this, after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do, and now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. So let's ask the first question. Who's Jesus praying for in this part? He's praying for himself. Jesus starts the prayer in John 17 by praying for himself. And why is he praying for himself? As he mentions in the first part, because the hour has come. This whole time that, you know, the, the, this, the last probably four or five teachings that we've gone through in John have really been the last moments, maybe even more than that, of the time that Jesus had on earth uh, with his disciples leading up to the events that would lead to his crucifixion. Uh, events that are unimaginably painful. Uh, he's going to obviously be away now physically from his disciples. And so on the eve of that thing, on the eve of those immense events being set in motion, what does he do? He prays. And he starts by praying for himself. What does he pray for? He prays for a few different things that we should really take note of. And so that's why I gave you space. If you want to take notes, you can do that. Uh, just sort of a model of how Jesus is praying here. He's First thing he does is he prays that God would be glorified through him, that what's going to happen to him would allow God to be glorified. He also prays that the power that, that God gave him, which is, as he mentions, over all people, might give eternal life to those people that God has given him power over. Basically meaning that no one is beyond Jesus's saving power not even you. Not even you. And that's not sarcasm, okay? <laughs> not even you are beyond Jesus' saving power. He prays that people would know that eternal life is knowing the true God. You know, we're wired to worship. We're wired to worship. And so we worship people and we worship things. We worship positions and power. All of these things consume our worship, and Jesus recognizes that. And so he prays that people would know the true God, 
which is the only God who can give eternal life in heaven. So basically what he's saying is, is that if you, if you know Jesus, then you know God, and if you know God, you know eternal life. You have eternal life. And then Jesus prays that God would return him to the place and relationship he had with God before the world was created. So, so thinking about all of that, I want you to just take about 10 to 15 seconds, and I want you to write down on your paper, we're going to pray about it a little bit later, write down the one or maybe two things that you know you need to pray about for yourself. That thing that's maybe keeping you up at night, the thing that's maybe ailing you or keeping you back from achieving the thing that you want. What's the thing that you know you need to pray for about yourself? Just jot that down in the space there. Excellent. Then Jesus transitions from there to praying for a different subject. And so we pick it up in verse 6. It says this, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of this world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I have for I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and I kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled, which we know of Judas. I'm coming to you now. But I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world, for I, for them I sanctify myself, and they too may truly be sanctified. So Jesus transitions here. He goes from praying to about himself or for himself to praying for his disciples, which of course we know are the people who would eventually lead his church. The thing that he does, the thing that he's doing in this particular section is he's praying on behalf of someone else. And that's known in biblical terms and theological terms as intercession. You know, praying on behalf of someone else. And so Jesus says, they were yours and you gave them to me and they obeyed your word. He then gets specific again in verse 9. And he said, I'm not, I'm not praying at this moment for the whole world, but for those that God gave him 
for the special assignment of being his disciples. He singles them out because he knows that they are going to be sanctified by God. The process of sanctification becoming more and more like Jesus through the work that God's doing in their life. Unlike those, and this is why he singles out the disciples, because he's not talking about the whole world, because they are being held to a different standard. When they are in Jesus, they are held to a different standard of sanctification than the rest of the world. Why is Jesus praying for them? Jesus knows that he's about to leave the earth, right? And the disciples get really panicked, right? Sort of like if your guru is teaching you how to climb a mountain and he's like, you know what? You got it. See you later, right? Or, or you're like handling a really dangerous mechanism and the first time that the person's like, you know what? I think you can do that. And you're just like, I don't know if I got it. That's like basically how they're, they're feeling except for uh, it centers around eternity, <laughs> right? And his church, And so he says that he's going to pray for them, and he prays that they will continue to have a full measure of his joy. I love that. I love that he prays for them to have joy through the process of loss, through the process of pain. Uh, You know, last week, Pastor Kelly spoke on what Jesus was teaching about the struggle is real, right? The idea that things will be hard, and he says, I want to pray that they still have a full measure of my joy. He knows that they're going to face new and stronger opposition on all fronts, but his plan, his plan to combat that is to give them his word, as we know now to be the Bible. And then, of course, we find that what Jesus is praying for when he's praying for his disciples is he prays for their protection, he prays for their unity, and he prays for their sanctification which means, as I said before, that they are being made more and more like Jesus each and every day. Because we all know that can be a really painful process, right? That can be a really hard process. So the second section is Jesus praying on behalf of someone else. And what I'd love for you to do now is just write down in that second section, who in your sphere of influence needs you to pray on their behalf and why? Maybe it's a friend from school. Maybe it's a sibling, maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a coworker. Who in your sphere of influence, in your circle, the people that you love, what do they need prayer for? Who are they and what do they need prayer for? Just write that down. Awesome. Keep writing that down if you haven't finished it, but we're, we're going to look at the third and final section of John 17, which is the, the final part of Jesus' prayer, starting in verse 20. You can follow along in your Bible or on the screen. It says, my prayer is not for them alone. So, you know, Jesus prayed for himself and now his disciples, but it's not just for himself and for his disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be as one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and I have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you gave me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, 
The glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. So finally, Jesus is praying for the group of people who will believe in him through the message of the disciples, himself, his closest friends, and now anyone who will come to know Jesus through their message. He's not just praying for the people in that time period, right? Because uh, anyone who would believe through their message includes anyone who is currently still part of the Christian church, anyone who will in the future be part of their church because their message is carrying on through the church. You see what Jesus is doing here? It's incredible, right? He's prayed that up until this moment that, you know, he's prayed for himself and for the people that are closest to him, but he thought of you and me in this moment, recorded in John 17. He thought of you and me when he was praying. That, that's, that's incredible. And so he's praying for us and anyone who would hear their message, who would hear about him through their message. Why is he praying for these people? Because he wants, as he says in this passage, he wants everyone that God has given him, which, he's, which we know is, you know, is everyone. Like we, He wants everyone to be with him in glory. I, I realize that that's not going to happen, but he, he's requesting to God. He's putting it out there that everyone would be with him and see him in his glory in heaven. He wants them to know that the love God has for Jesus is the same love that he has for them. So the love that he's displayed in Jesus is the same love that he's displaying for us on our behalf and that Jesus will be in them even though he is leaving. He has not abandoned them. He has not abandoned us. So you can see the power of this prayer, right? Jesus is praying this prayer and he's thinking of you and I and he's saying, I have not left you, but I will be in you. What does Jesus pray for? He's praying for unity and for union. He prays for the unity amongst those who believe in him, right? Like Pastor Kelly and I, eight hours in the car each way, there's a good chance that we're not gonna be in unity on everything. The one thing that's for sure is, is Chick-fil-A, okay? Um, but we work that out, we love each other. It's for the benefit of, of ourselves and for the benefit of Center Church, but more importantly, it's for God's glory that we have unity. And he's praying for the union we will have with our Savior in heaven. He prays that the people who believe in him would join him in heaven where they can be with him in a new way, in a new place, in new bodies, not sick, not hurt, not in pain, but with him in his glory. So I want you to identify this last prayer prompt. Who can you pray for that might come to know Jesus through our message? Who in your life can you be praying for that might come to know Jesus through our message? And underline our. This is not my message. It's not Pastor Kelly's message. It's your message too. It's the message that Jesus gave us to pass on and on and on. Write that person down. Write that family down.
All right, I'm going to invite the band up. We're going to, in a moment, we're going to pray, then we're going to sing a song. But I just want to point out a few things that Jesus modeled for us, and then we'll pray together. In that moment, when Jesus was praying for himself and for his disciples and for everyone who would hear about him through their message, he gave us three things that I really just wanted us to stick with. Jesus modeled that it's wise for us to bring our own needs before God. He did it. He doesn't, he doesn't get tired of hearing about your needs. He doesn't get tired of hearing about the things that are hard for you, even if it's the same thing over and over and over. He wants you to bring those things before him. The second thing is, is we need to be praying for those we love, uh, that they, A, would know Jesus like his disciples did, and once that they know Jesus, that they would have the full measure of his joy. Now, we talk about plan A all the time. One of our values at Center Church is joy, right? We know that God's plan A for people is to be full of joy. Does that always mean happiness? Does that always mean cheery? No, but joy overcomes those things. Joy is the thread of hope that we hang on to. And so when he prays for it, he models that we would be wise to pray for that person as well. And though that we should pray for every person who will, being future tense, believe in him through their message. And by extension, through their message can be traced to right now the people that we know that need to hear his story through our message. The bottom line is, if God, if Jesus rather, if, who was God in the flesh decided that in the most critical moments of his last minutes on earth needed to be spent in prayer, we would be wise to say, take the same posture, right? So the things that you wrote down, like the thing that you've been that thinking about that's keeping you up at night, it's weighing on you. It's consuming your thing. It's, it's important to you enough that it occupying brain space, we should be wise, we would be wise rather to pray for that thing. Uh, for that person who you know needs you to pray on their behalf, whether they're just, you know, whether they're just, they don't know Jesus or whether they're sick or whether there's something serious or something that's just kind of lighthearted, whatever the prayer request is, you get a chance to pray on their behalf. And just like that person who, who Jesus prayed for, that would hear about him through the message of the disciples, we will pray for that person as well. Bottom line is we need to be praying. So let's pray together. Uh, I'll lead us through the prayer. You just sit in your seat. You can uh, be praying in your mind uh, quietly to yourself about those things. I'll walk us through each of the three prompts. Then we'll stand up and we'll sing a song of celebration and thanks to Jesus. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, thank you. For this moment and for a for a, a capturing of an intimate moment of prayer that you had with your father in a moment of desperate need in a moment of worry that you did not let that consume you that you instead presented it to him that you prayed for the people that you love and that you prayed for the message that was going to be carried forward by those people for the benefit of humanity so God, let's lift up first this thing or things that are, that are in our way, that are causing us to lose sight of your best plan for us, that's consuming our time, that's keeping us awake at night. God, I pray that each person would be able to bring that before you right now.
God, those needs that we need met. Whatever it may be, financial, relational, physical, emotional, God, be there. Encourage us. Let us present those to you until the day that you meet that need and let us not lose heart until then. We thank you for your faithfulness. God, for the person who can't be here or isn't here by choice, that we know need your provision in those same areas, God, let us intercede on their behalf. Let us pray for them, first and foremost, for their salvation. If they don't know you, Jesus, that you would be meeting that person in a new way, that they would come to know you more and more each and every day. And and then, God, meet those needs, change their life dramatically. Let their testimony be wildly glorious in your presence, in your for your glory, in your name, Jesus. God, let us pray for that person now. God, that we would see that person's need met and we would be able to tell them, I was praying for you. I was praying for you. I was praying that God would do something in your life. God, we think about the people in our lives that you've given us influence in their life, the families around us who we know just need to know you who need to experience a change in their life to receive your salvation through our message, God. You have put on our hearts that 100 new families would meet you through Center Church. And so, God, I pray that each one of us could identify that person or persons, that family or that household who needs to know you through our message. God, I pray that we would have the courage, that we would have the words but more importantly, that we would have the love and the patience to be with them through their process. God, as we disciple them, as we love on them, as we, as we point them towards you, that they would just catch more and more glimpses. And God, whatever your seed that you're planting in that situation, let us just celebrate that wildly. So God, let us pray for that household, that person or persons now. Go ahead and stand up with me. Pastor Kelly mentioned that we went to um, this training event. And, uh, there's a gentleman there who, uh, his name is Dr. Brian, and uh, he looks like Yoda. I mean, he really does. Like, the, if you just picture Yoda, that's what Dr. Brian looks like. Uh, but he, I, I think he's planted more churches in in his time than churches that seem to exist here in Spokane. I mean, seriously, it's crazy. His stories of the churches that he's planted and influenced all over the world. And he keeps showing up to hang out with us, which is crazy. <laughs> um, but he, 
he just has this incredible ability to pray, to pray for people and to pray for um, the groups of people that he has influence with, to pray for, I know he's prayed for our church more times than we know. And it just gave me so much more, it just gave me, it was like part of a conviction, like, man, I don't, I don't pray enough. And at the same time, part of an encouragement that it doesn't have to be my prayers, right? Jesus prayed for us first, before we ever existed. His prayer is resonating throughout history on our behalf. You guys and gals and kids are praying with me, with Pastor Kelly and our families for this church, specifically for yourselves, for the people that you love, and for the people who are going to hear about Jesus through our message. So I just want to wrap this time up with a prayer that we could just agree that we would be praying more for each other and for this church. And that we would carry that. We need to be a praying church. We need to pray more together and separately because I know God has incredible things. Pastor Kelly knows God has incredible things. You have expressed to me through different conversations that you know God has incredible things for this church, not for our glory, for his. We get to be part of that. That's spectacular. So if you could just agree with me in prayer, and then we're just going to sing a song to Jesus and thank him. So God, as we, as we start to wrap up this time, God, I pray that we would be committed to being a praying church, that we would be praying for ourselves, for each other, for the people that we love, who we know need to be here and hearing your message. And God, I pray for, for our message, that it would be so attractive, that the gospel would be so alive and well in our actions, in our words, and in our communities, that people would just be like, what in the world? What in the world are they doing? Why are they that way? And we can just say it's because of Jesus. It's because of what he's done in our lives and what he's doing in our community. God, I pray that that would just go forward ahead of us, that, that we would just be faithful, God, that you would lay the foundation for the 100 families that you have put on our hearts to come to know you through Center Church. God, we're believing for that. We're praying for that. We're asking for that. God, for the well-being of people here, for the people who couldn't be here because they were sick or gone, heal them, provide for them, touch them, stir something inside of us.